Hello, welcome to the D&D Roundtable presented by The Tome Show. I'm your host, James Intercasso. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and shop as you normally would. Today, we're talking about the starter set and basic rules in the new edition of D&D. But first, let's meet the panel. With me today at the roundtable are Rudy Basso. Greetings. Joe Lestowski. Howdy. And Topher Cohen. Yo. All right, guys. And to kick this off, we got a get-to-know-you question. What is your favorite spell? It can be any edition of D&D from any rulebook. And Rudy, let's start with you. So my first fourth edition character was a wizard, and I took him from 1 to 30, which was crazy, but... Um, the daily I took was sleep and I loved it because we had a ranger in the party who would hit like a madman. He would hit super hard. And if you hit sleep and the character fell unconscious, they were helpless, which meant they took crazy damage. So the combination of the ranger and my sleep meant that we could take down huge monsters in a very, very fast time. So I ended up holding on to sleep for 30 levels, despite it was the level one daily spell. So it holds a special place in my heart. And they really changed the rules in 5th Ed that are really neat, but I still miss that 4th Ed sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do not miss the 4th Ed sleep as your (laughs) DM, but that was used to great advantage. It was pretty awesome. Uh, Joe, what is your favorite spell? Well, I have two depending on which side of the uh, screen I'm on. If I'm a DM, I'm going to go with Limited Wish uh, because it's the right mix of tempting the players and punishing the players uh, because limited wish is kind of like a regular wish except you get unintended consequences with it so you know oh i I want a a castle and they get the castle but it's in you know some evil dimension uh that with forces attacking or you know it's 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 a way to make players really think about what they ask for uh before uh before they ask uh, and then if I'm a player, I'm going to have to go with, uh, in third edition, there was a spell called Defenestrating Sphere. And I just, I, I was drawn to it because it used the word defenestration and I'm a word guy and defenestration is being thrown out a window. Um, and so here was a spell that did that. Uh, it basically, it just threw you way up high into the air and then you took falling damage. Um, but it was a fun spell to use and and anytime you could whip it out and, and say you were casting it, anybody that wasn't used to weird vocabulary like that would be like what and it'd just be like just watch so that sounds awesome that sounds like a ton of fun and i can sense people wanting to bring them into my campaign um (laughs) topher how about you i'm gonna go old school going advanced dungeon and dragons the it's a wizard spell second level i believe i'm i'm now it's the knock spell it could be the most utilitarian cool spell and i frustrated many a dm with it when they <laughs> when they you know especially if we had a party i don't know why but it seemed like i'm remembering not having a lot of thieves in mm-hmm. parties i played in when i first started playing D. Mm-hmm. so he loved the dm loved throwing locked doors in front of us yeah so I, I just whip out the knock spell and be like oh yeah i knock and so the door opens right <laughs> that was in fourth ed too as a ritual i believe yeah it was a ritual in fourth yeah yeah the kind of funny part Bigger is that it, it, it was in third also but it was kind of a different spell in third it wasn't quite the same and they gave it almost the exact same flavor in fourth 
as they did in AD&D, yeah. Now, I agree with Joe. Uh, There's always that spell. As a DM, I disdain Argent Rain. Ah. Mm. Because inevitably, I have some guy who wants to use it and, you know, doesn't care that he's going to hit one bad guy and six of his, you know, fellow adventurers. We know a lot of people who sometimes use those big area spells in that way. It does sound like there are going to be certain builds of wizard and stuff in D&D next that are going to allow you to uh, sculpt those spells, yeah. if you will, around your allies. A thing um, of the past, friendly fire. A thing of the past. Um, which sort of brings me to our next uh, topic. And I apologize because I'm losing my voice. But... Uh, Let's talk about uh, that there were some pretty big developments uh, as far as the starter set and basic rules go for D&D. There was a live D&D Q&A with Mike Merles and Rodney Thompson. Uh, You can check it out. It'll be in the show notes. And uh, it's also linked on the Wizards of the Coast site. They talked uh, a lot about sort of what isn't in the rules and it was very clear that sort of it's going to be very basic bare bones rules so the starter set which is coming out uh comes with pre-generated characters level one through five uh five different characters and that's going to be available on july 15th um and you can go to a physical store you can buy it you can buy it at a store online that kind of thing but The big announcement that I sort of got out of this was that if you're a core store, it's going to be available on July 3rd, which is pretty awesome. The adventure takes place in the realms, and it sounds pretty cool. We're going to get into all that later. The basic rules are going to be available for free, and those are a PDF you download online. There's going to be a sort of bare bones version of that available on July 3rd when all of those core stores get the starter set. And that's going to allow for some character creations so that you can make your own. And then on July 15th, it sounds like they're going to roll out maybe a few more monsters and some DM encounter building advice and stuff like that into this basic set. So it sounds like mid-July, you're going to have the tools you need to start playing a a pretty good game of D&D with the four core classes and core races and everything like that. Um, There was a lot of other really cool information going on here. Uh, So let's talk about that. What did you like? What didn't you like to hear about the starter set and everything? And Rudy, let's start with you. One of the things that I was really excited by is the fact that the pre-generated characters that are being included also have their own backgrounds and motivations that are tied directly to the adventure that's included. Um, One of the most difficult things for even experienced uh, players, you know, I I myself have problems with this is developing a character on your own and uh, having that relate to the adventure and having your own goals. And the fact that they're doing this and introducing it as a thing that, all players should have to, to new players, one would assume with the starter set is really exciting. And it, it really encourages better role playing, which I think is, is always important at the table and it always makes the experience a lot uh, better. One thing that I was disappointed by is that the four, I guess you call them core classes are the only ones included. I really would have loved to see something a little more exotic, like a monk or, or um, a bard or something, just because, you know, you're going to have someone in the group that's, kind of poo-pooing those classes because they've always heard oh fighter blah 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 someone wants to play something different and that option unfortunately isn't isn't really available 
Yeah, I think it would be neat to just have either one race or class that's beyond the four core, you know, just to give people a little taste. I think that would have been nice, too. I agree. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that would have been and a good marketing tactic, I think, for them as well. Uh, Joe, how about you? What do you think? What'd you like? What didn't you like about this live D&D next Q&A? I've liked a lot of the conversations that I've seen about changes that they've made to the rules uh, since the close of the open play test. Um, and I've been really eager to see what that final product looks like. And then I listened to this Q&A, and they were like, oh, yeah, and by the way, feats aren't going to be included in this. And there's only going to be about five spells per level. And there's going to be, like, it seemed like a lot of the things that I was eager to see, I'm going to have to wait for some more. And that that was very frustrating to me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, it will be very playable and it will be well-balanced and whatnot uh, when, you know, with whatever it is they put out uh, in July here. Um, and I will certainly be right on top of that because I know that a lot of the uh, encounters players at our stores are going to be eager to see the new rules uh, for the next season. But um, I, I just, I wanted more. I was, I was really frustrated that a lot of the things that I've read in the sort of concept articles, uh, you know, the warlock class or, or things like that just weren't going to show up. Uh, and that was, that was kind of frustrating. Yeah, I think uh, we're all a little hungry for for more, right, at this point. And it does feel like we've seen a lot of the game with all of the various packets and everything. But at the same time, I do think the basic rules and the starter set are more meant to entice. Um, So I guess they don't want to give too much away for free, you know, Uh, although the starter set you do pay for. uh, But the basic rules you don't. So I think that's probably part of it, I would guess. But yeah, it would be nice just to see something right um Mm -hmm. but uh but yeah i i mean they did have some pretty cool information in there but it was a lot of no we're not gonna have that no we're not gonna have this no we're not gonna have that Uh, i was surprised that they posted an excerpt from the starter set including the table of contents and i didn't see anything on skills um there was a page dedicated to abilities but i always considered skills to be part of the basic rule set but i guess you can just roll charisma checks or things like that well, instead. That's the thing is that if they're if they're marketing this at um, first edition or second edition players or even basic, there, there weren't skills. I mean, second sure. edition had some very limited proficiency system, uh, non weapon and weapon proficiencies. But uh, I think I think they may have said, "Wait a minute, people that played these older editions don't think skills are iconic, so let's not put those in." Well, I actually have a theory. Because the starter set doesn't come with character creation rules, those are the oh, basic D&D okay. rules. It comes with pre-gens that the skills are just going to be discussed in the abilities yeah. section. And it's just like, you know, only the abilities which the pre-gens have are the ones that are really going to be covered. So maybe within the basic rules, which it's weird because the starter set and the basic rules sound so much alike, it's hard to differentiate. But maybe within those basic rules... We will see skills and things because they did say, they said, you know, feats aren't part of the core in the Q&A. And they, they talked about a few other things that aren't part of that core basic set. But they didn't never said skills weren't. And they did talk about how in the basic set, you will have four backgrounds to choose from. Uh, so that's kind of cool that there is going to be a little bit of customization within that basic set. Um, so, uh, Topher, how about you? What are your thoughts on this live D&D next Q&A? Well, I think the thing I took away is that, and I, obviously from this conversation, they're not doing a very good job of this, is conveying what the, what the starter set is and what the basic 
rules are because we we're having this conversation about what they didn't include in the in the stuff we're seeing in the starter set and everything you guys are talking about is for the players and the starter set isn't for players it's for Mm. dms and it's only for dms it's for a dm to buy and sit down with his group and hand out some pregens and play if the players want to learn the rules more and the players want to create characters then they got to download the free basic dnd rule set so I, I they're obviously not doing as well of a job as they think they are in yeah. conveying that information. If here are three guys who watch this and have been reading stuff about it and still are getting confused about what the two products are. Yeah, yeah. And I think that will probably become a, a little more clear about here's where you can get this. Here's where you can get this. You know, um, and I do think, you know, I think a lot of people are going to buy that starter set just because they're they're hungry for something you know players and dms i think you're going to see a lot of people go and buy that but you're right the starter set is really just for dms to buy and run everything the players need will be on those pre-gen sheets and obviously you don't necessarily want the players going ahead and reading the adventure but there is you know there is some rules information in there that may be pertinent to the players so maybe that's part of it but supposedly you'll get that all in that free basic pdf yeah, and and this and this uh, starter set is a is a uh, kind of a a, a a departure. That's what I'm looking for from their past starter sets. Whether it's the original blue and red boxes, or whether it's the fourth edition red box, or the third edition starter set that they came out with, where that was the you want to play D and D, you want to learn how to play D and D from any point, you go buy this, and you can sit down with your DM or player or whatever and learn this game i think this time they're taking a different approach where the the box set that they're going to make someone pay for is for the guy who wants to run the campaign and build the world and the and the the guy who just wants to sit down and play some D as a player and has no no interest in being a dm they're going to kind of let him get in for free which i think is the way it should be we've had a ton of people at our store um that um during encounters have talked about the the basic set, the the starter set, and there's a level of confusion or a level of, I guess I don't understand, that it's kind of split. It's split between the ones who are like, well, I'm not a DM, so I'm not going to buy it. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other side that goes, well, I am going to DM, but I'm not going to buy it because I can't buy this one box for $19.95 and use it for the rest of my gaming career in fourth in, in fifth edition. And, if, uh, and they don't understand why Wizard isn't making a box for 20 bucks that allows them to run D&D forever. Uh-huh. Hmm. Yeah, that well, I guess so. That free PDF, once it gets all updated and everything, it sounds like is supposed to allow you to run the basic game forever. Uh, so I think rather than pay the nineteen bucks, you're going to see a lot of people go that free direction, um, and that's probably fine if they introduce a lot of new players to it and and get people playing. You know, uh, that the more people who download this free PDF probably at least a strong percentage of those will end up buying a product at some point, you know? And speaking of this starter set, Mike Merles published an article that uh, sort of detailed a little bit more about the adventure we're going to see and, you know, the different pre-generated characters, a dwarf cleric, two human fighters, an elf, and a halfling rogue. It's interesting that the dwarf is a cleric and not a fighter. I found that very interesting because traditionally dwarf and fighter go together and it seems like usually the human is left being the cleric. But anyway, side note, um, and the adventure is called The Lost Mine of Fandelver. So we learned in this article and from the Q&A that 
it is sort of a straightforward adventure for the first, you know, the, this first dungeon. Then it becomes a little more open worldy. But the Q and A, they talked about something very interesting, which was they have with these pre-generated characters, their background is tied into the adventure. They're going back to sort of avenge what happened to their town. You know that their their town was destroyed, and they're going back to take care of it and and you know go from there and that they have connections to npcs already built in and that the starter set is really meant for if you've never played before these are good hooks to get people hooked into the game these are good ways to get new players to understand the stakes that are involved in D&D and to make it a little more personal than, you know, a hack and slash dungeon delve, which is also very fun if that's what you want to play. Sounds like you can ignore those elements. Um, I thought that was really cool. I don't think you see that a ton in adventures like, oh, there's all these pre-generated hooks for the characters and that sort of thing. So I, I was really feeling that. I like the idea. I like that it's set in the realms and there's going to be a lot of things that people can grab onto, but it also sounds easy to convert and it sounds like it ties into this whole tyranny of dragons thing, which is really cool. So I was a big fan of that. I think it's going to be a cool adventure. I'm excited to check out more about it, but what are your opinions? And Joe, let's start with you. Um, well, I, I, um, I, I like that they're, that they're trying to walk the fence that, that part of it, like the first part is going to be more of a railroaded. Here's the, here's the adventure step by step. And then after that, there's the option to expand it more. I think that's a really great, um, if they're looking at, at sort of training new DMS or giving new DMS a chance to evolve. Um, I think that's a great way to do it. I also, I, I like the adventure hook thing because my my favorite fourth edition book was the underdark book that they put out and it was nothing but adventure hooks it was it was all here's these settings and here's 57 ways that your characters might be tied into them and and i really i really enjoy the idea of um creating a game around the characters and so i think uh that also is is a is a great tactic uh, to make sure that whatever is happening that it's focused on stuff that's related to these characters. So I was a big fan of that uh, as well. I, um, I I felt limited when I looked at the what the pregens were, uh, but then again, you know, there's four classes and four races. So there's only so many uh, so many combinations, and I guess they're going to go for the iconic ones uh, to start off with. Um, but they also, I think, in the in the live Q and A, they had said that multiclassing was not something that was going to show up in these early uh, versions. So I think uh, having two different human fighters, but having one focused on like bow stuff and one focused on sword and board, I think that makes a little more sense than having one of them be, you know, a fighter slash thief or something like that. You know, I think they're trying to show that even within a class, you can have options uh, before they get into. Uh, something like multi-classing, which will probably be more complicated. I'm pumped. I went out and bought the starter set after reading this stuff and listening to that Q&A. I have a group of friends that have shown some interest in Dungeons & Dragons, but I don't want to overwhelm them with rules, rules, rules. And um, I think this is perfect. I think this will give them a pre-generated character. It'll, like I said, give them an introduction to developing a character and, and role-playing a little bit more. And um, it'll bring them to level five. It'll give them some awesome abilities. And I'm really excited for it. So big thumbs up from Rudy. Nice. Nice. That's what I want to hear. Nice. I agree. Uh, Topher, how about you? 
I am giggly excited about this. <laughs> um, so every one of my campaign worlds I've ever run as a DM, no matter what edition was, I have based it on a published adventure world, right? So I started with the, the, the seed of, you know, here is a Forgotten Realms pre-printed adventure. And then I, once my players got into it, I expanded it and changed it and morphed it and did lots of things with it. So the idea that they're going to give me as a DM a box set that has a, a starter adventure for not just my players, but for me to get comfortable with running in the new system and then give me the tools to expand the world to make it mine, but still keep it inside of something as iconic as Forgotten Realms. Holy gabonzo, Batman. That's rock and roll in my mind. <laughs> that's them thinking outside the box and giving us DMs real tools, not just not just lip service to tools, but real tools for us to, to dig with. And I think the fact that we can get the level five with these guys is great because what we have, what, of just over a month if from actual street date, not uh, preferred store size, but actual street date from the box set to the player's handbook is what, about a month? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so in that time, you could get, if you're playing on a regular basis, you can get up to level five, and then here's this player handbook, which they're going to update the basic rules at the same time. And here, so now if those same players are really hooked, but they don't want to play, as Rudy said, just a you know a regular fighter or a regular cleric, then well, here's a player handbook that you can now kind of change your characters around. And as a DM, you can write something into your world that allows them to do that at level five. I think that's I think it's kind of brilliant. And, you know, I, you guys heard me. I'm not always the kindest of wizards in how they think this stuff through. And this is one of my things I think they really kind of thought through well. Huh. Yeah, yeah. I, I am excited to see how this goes. I really cannot wait. We're seeing some excerpts, too, from the starter set. Uh, they look to be pretty basic. There's not a lot that's really shocking happening here. But uh, we did get... So we got some cool excerpts. We got... Uh, you know, we got to see the spell list, the limited spell list for the wizard and the cleric spells, and we got to see uh, the equipment table uh, for mounts and harnesses and food and drink and things like that. We also got to see the table of contents. In addition to this, Mike Merles also tweeted out a page from the player's handbook which had the wild mage table on it. And that has a big table D100 full of effects that happen when the wild mage, which is a sorcerer subclass, goes off. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. I'm, I'm loving that they're giving us a little taste, but, you know, it's it's not enough. I, I need more to, to quench my thirst. Uh, I'm, I assume you guys feel similarly. Is there anything about these excerpts that jumped out at you? Happy to see playing cards listed in the equipment list. <laughs> um, not really. I mean, I wish it's just standard stuff. If you've been playing the play test, it's really nothing new. I'm happy that um, there'll be a lot of choices for our wizard and cleric. And uh, to see it like that won't be overwhelming. Like instead of like a huge spell chapter, that can be kind of scary to a new player for them to just look at the list, be like, okay, this is what I am. These are the things I can choose. Cool. I can look them up now is a, is I think a smart way to, um, to line it up, but, um, not, nothing really mind blowing. I would have really liked to actually have seen the magic item list. I think that would have been cool. Well, I mean, I kind of agree with Rudy, you know, if you've been playing in any of the level of place, uh, play testing, the information there isn't new and exciting. What I'm excited about, and maybe this makes me a bigger nerd than I like to admit, but the layout and the page flow, and I think specifically the, the spell page, 
that we mm. got the whole where it's very clear this is a cone, this is a cube, this is a line, this is a sphere. Here's what a saving throw is and how to do it. You know, boom, 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 boom. And it's not, you know, it's not convoluted. It's laid out cleanly. I, I, yeah, for me, that's what excited me the most was the kind of seeing the layout and the design of a page. And, you know, like I said, maybe it makes me a bigger nerd than I care to admit. Yeah, no, I think the layout is nice. It's clean. Uh, the little bit of art that you get to see is nice looking. And one of the things that I really liked, and I know this is kind of a low bar, but it seemed like there weren't a lot of typos or errors or anything like I oh, yeah. find any, you know, which is nice. This doesn't feel rushed at all. So, mm-hmm. Joe, what do you think about these excerpts? Well, um, I appreciated the um, Time Lord-inspired design of the Bullseye Lantern. Uh, it had a very TARDIS look to it. Uh, I also, uh, and and this is a minor thing, but it shows that they're putting some thought into this. Um, If you look at like the meals per day or the in-stay costs, they have different ratings for like what level of, of, of wealth or comfort you're at. And just the fact that they put the thought and, and time into that to have differing values for squalid meals versus modest meals versus aristocratic meals, uh, I felt like that was uh, just really amusing, um, you know, and, and kind of uh, it, it just it, it made me feel like there's there's somebody who's putting a lot of thought into this. They're not just cranking it out without thinking about it. Yeah, I love that. I love the feeling of the like Rudy said, the playing cards are there, you know, and it talks a little bit about you can be proficient with them and that sort of thing. And all of these different little things that provide flavor and Sort of, it seems like the emphasis is going to be on role-playing and flavor over mechanics to really get to the heart of the game, which I think is interesting. Although being proficient in playing cards, I think, is a clear shout-out to Gambit. Um, And so we're going to have a lot of player characters trying to be uh, proficient in playing cards so that they can be an X-Man. All right, so we have some breaking news we want to discuss real quick. So right now, the Origins Game Fair is going on as we're recording this podcast, and Chris Tulak, who is a Wizards organized play guy, is tweeting things out about panels that uh, Mike Merles and Rodney Thompson are giving. There's a lot of really good bits of information in here. He's at Chris Tulak. That's Chris with a C-H and Tulak. T-U-L-A-C-H. We'll link them in the show notes. We're going to just pull some of our favorite pieces of information from here. And Rudy, I know what you want to talk about, so tell us about the Eldritch Knight. It sounds cool. It's a fighter subclass with spellcasting. What? Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That It shows you that they're really willing to go out of the way and make something really unique within the fighter, within any subclass. So who knows what possibilities this can open up. I'm I'm really excited about that. And then you could also, it says, uh, per Mr. Tulak, you can stack spellcaster levels if you also want to multi-class with a wizard. So a lot of options to hit a guy with a sword and then shoot him in the face with a fireball. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And we should be clear that we're not just talking about the basic set and starter set anymore. I that's probably going to be an option you'll see in the player's handbook, which is awesome. So uh, not everything here is necessarily pertaining to the basic game in this part of the discussion. Uh, Joe, what were some of your favorite bits of information we got out of here? 
Um, one of my favorite things is is one of the more conceptual things that uh, that Chris says down on uh, June thirteenth, which is yesterday while we record. But you know, we'll figure out when it is when we post this. Um, he says D and D will be more of a living game and a conversation rather than wizards dictating what the game should be. And starting next spring, surveys are going to go out to assess how different rules elements of the game are faring. So they're going to have all these different options in the player's handbook, in the DMG and whatnot, but they're not just going to stick them out and then leave them. They're going to start asking people, okay, do you like this? Do you want more of this? Do you not like this? Do you want to get rid of that? Um, and so I think that will also fuel a lot of the, uh, the online content that they produce when they start producing online content again for uh, Dungeon and Dragon magazine. I think that's a good uh, sort of uh, guiding principle for uh, for that as well. And I really like the idea of, uh, as, as much as I warn people to never read comment sections on the wizard site, uh, I still like the idea of listening to uh, to feedback from the players. And I think that's a great point. It's neat that they're going to sort of evolve the game over time rather than five years from now put out an entirely new edition. That's uh, good news to see and good news to check out. Topher, how about you? All right, so I got two. The uh, 23 hours ago, whenever we recorded this, he said um, in one of the panels, game leans more on the DM making judgment calls. Once you understand the difficulty of the task, it speeds play considerably. I think that you know, it's been in every edition of the rules that somewhere Wizard has said, or TSR before Wizards, has said that, you know, this is your game, so, you know, adapt the rules as you need. But I think it's great that before the rules ever come out, they're publicly saying, hey, we're going to leave a lot up for the DMs to kind of make their own choices because it's their game and they understand how things work. So that's rock and roll cool. And I also love the fact that they talked about um, the starter set's about 20 hours of play, give and take your style, and that the DMG will have another starter adventure set in Daggerford, which was really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm really excited about that, too. Oh, guys, it's so close. I'm getting really excited. <laughs> there was uh, an article that's sort of buried in the Wizards site that talks about Trapdoor Technologies is developing some digital tools for the new edition of D&D. The code name for this program is Morningstar. Uh, oh, yeah. It sounds like it's going to combine rules, character sheets, and adventures in, together into one clean interface. I presume we're going to hear more about that coming up. Uh, I am very hesitant. I did a little research. Um Trapdoor Technologies hasn't released anything that I can find. Um, the producer, Evan Newton, comes from a QA background. He doesn't have like any designer experience. Mm. So I'm hesitant about this. Uh, it's not the powerhouse publish thing I was hoping for. Not to say they won't do a good job, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm hesitant to get really excited. It's not as immediately recognizable as saying, oh, by the way, Kobold Press worked on Tyranny of Dragons. And you're like, oh, my gosh, Kobold Press, they're awesome. I've loved their stuff. These guys seem completely new and they're out of nowhere. So, Well, and on their site, they say that, uh, you know, the, the, it sounds like the most powerful thing they're creating is something to help with character creation because – they talk about there's they're going to have a customizable sheet, fast guided character creation, adventure management and tracking for DMs, communication between players, 
simple rule search, bookmarking and annotations, and online and offline play. So it doesn't sound like we're getting a super powerful monster builder or a mini creator or anything like that yet, if at all. So, uh, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see what's there. But yes, I am a little wary, as are you, Rudy. How about you, Topher? What do you think? You work in the technologies field. So there's a lot of of interesting uh, buzzwords in this whole statement here. Uh, This is what I take away. First of all, I'm excited by the fact that on their splash page, they show it on an iPad. Mm -hmm. So that means they must be using a technology that allows it to be on allows it to be on mobile devices. Hopefully it's something, whether it's um, HTML5 or whatever it is. Uh, Secondly, if you read through this, it really makes it sound like they're directly going to be going after places like Obsidian Portal, like, um, you know, those uh, uh, create your own world, adventure trackers kind of thing, all those online tools. The... um, in addition, I'm excited to share that once the tools launch, all of the latest D&D adventures and content will be available to download as they're released simultaneously within the physical version of this product. Mm. So in other words, that once I, once I subscribe or pay for whatever, get this in here, then I will be able to, whenever they release a new adventure, I can just download it right to this and have it integrated in it in theory, play it, run it right from this tool. So I think they're trying to develop a one-stop shop kind of thing. Interesting. Yeah, I th- I think you're right. And it'll be interesting to see if these guys can pull it off. So um, no word on if there's pricing for that and how that's going to work, if it's going to be subscription-based, yada, yada, yada. So obviously stick here with the roundtable and we will give you all the info as it develops. But for now... A month later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got to go for now. So uh, where can people find you, Rudy Basso? Hey, you can follow me at Rudy Basso, at, at Rudy Basso, R-U-D-Y-B-A-S-S-O. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. Topher, where can folks find you? You follow me at at Topher ATL. That's at T-O-P-H-E-R-A-T-L. And Joe, where can folks find you? Um, I'm on Twitter at Joe Listowski, uh, and I... Write pretty regularly at uh, dungeonsmaster.com about D&D Encounters DMing experiences. And once new D&D products start getting released, I'll be writing more reviews uh, for my local gaming store's website, uh, modern-myths.com. I do a column called What the Average Joe Thinks. Yeah, I just wanted to bring up that, um, that much like Joe, I run Encounters program at a local store in Atlanta, Titans games and comics Smyrna and that we're going to be doing once the box set and basics come out that we've been talking about on this episode that we're going to be running learn to play on Saturday so uh, follow me on Twitter and ask and hit me up and I'll let you guys know when that's going to happen oh, if you're in the area cool. and want to learn how to play yeah yeah so if you're in the Atlanta area go check that out you'll meet real life celebrity Topher Cohen uh, <laughs> Guys, if you have a question or topic you'd like to see us discuss on the roundtable, reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at James Intracasso. That's J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. It's linked in the show notes. Or you can leave us a comment on the Tome Show's website, thetomeshow.com. Or you can reach out to any of these guys. There's regulars on the show, and they'll uh, get in touch with me and tell me what the people want. Quick shameless plug for me. Check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age. It's a world I'm building for the new edition of D&D. It's at worldbuilderblog.me. All right? 
Thanks to everyone for listening, and thanks to Rudy, Topher, and Joe. Many thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support this show. Keep on rolling, and keep on listening to The Roundtable. <laughs>